All right, Jim, so let's uh, let's talk about uh, some of the things that went on over the weekend. First of all, go for basketball. They played at Nebraska last night. They lose the game by 18 points, uh, down by eight at halftime, really struggled offensively. Your thoughts on last night's game? That was a, a lousy offensive performance. Nebraska, re- Nebraska pulled a couple of really cool defensive tricks in the game. They... Uh, they kept their guards back. They got back on defense. They prevented the Gophers from getting out running. I think the Gophers' run transition game, running game, really brings them a lot of energy and easy points. They really didn't get any when the game was uh, close uh, last night or in in competition. Uh, they also were able to offensive rebound while not giving up transition baskets. That's a great combination. They also, defensively, they took away the inside and they covered the uh, three-point line well. And I thought the Gophers just didn't respond well to those challenges. Uh, if they had defensive rebounded better, they might have been able to get out a little bit easier uh, or at least limited, limit Nebraska's second, second chance points. And if they had uh, gotten the ball inside a little more to Garcia and Payne and given Nebraska trouble inside, that might have opened up. You know, they, First of all, they might have scored inside, which they really didn't. And then they might have opened up some things for the three-point shooters. Instead, they just kind of ram right into the def- the teeth of the Nebraska defense. They were shooting contested threes. Nebraska did a really good job of contesting drives and cl- and close shots, and the Gophers didn't respond well. One of the things that, uh, you know, Nebraska's got a lot of length, um, and that's across the board, even their guard positions, and the Gophers with both Mitchell and Hawkins, they're not tall, and it seemed like that gave uh, both them, an, you know, difficulty to try to, you know, see you know, like you talked about, to the inside or even get shots off. Yeah, very true. Uh, I mean, they their value is in, you know, Hawkins creating, and he, lately he's been shooting the three really well. Mitchell, need you know, at his size, he needs to shoot the three well to uh, have value, and they just didn't, they didn't shoot it well, and they didn't shoot, they didn't move the ball well enough to get themselves shots. So just kind of a lack of, uh, you know, offensive discipline, doing the things you have to do to, to wear down a defense and to create open shots. So now they're sitting at 8-8 eight eight in the conference, 17-10 and 10 overall. They got a game at uh, Illinois on Wednesday. The amount of opportunities to get those quad one wins to try to put themselves in a position where they're onto the bubble, which they're not on the bubble yet, um, would a win at Illinois be enough to at least get them in the conversation? I think so, but again, anytime we talk about these things, I mean, it depends on how ten other teams do too. So you don't really know. There's no automatic. I just, I still think if they get to eleven and nine in the Big Ten, uh, and with having played really well the second half, and have one of these victories be a quad one or impressive victory that the committee can point to, I think they'll be in pretty good shape. So if they win at Illinois, you know, they've got two road games left at Illinois and at Northwestern. They have to win one of those two. They have to win their two road games. And of course, if you if one of the victories is at Illinois, that should that should give the resume a boost. So, when you look at uh, you know, like you said, how they you know go up against other teams, the the whole idea of eleven and nine in the Big Ten typically is enough to get you in. But when the committee looks at those things, they look at the whole thing, not just what you did in the conference. They look at your non conference, your non conference schedule, and all that kind of stuff, right? Yes, uh, they also tend to seem seem to be influenced by teams that are playing well at the end of the year, teams that are a good story. Um, so I think you know the Gophers 
could still have some things going in their favor if they finish strong. But, you know, they, they got to at least get to 11 wins. And that's now they have to win three of their last four games. That's not going to be easy. Do you think Ben Johnson has done enough uh, to be given an opportunity to get a contract extension? Yeah, he went from, I mean, I really think it's pretty remarkable, no matter how the season ends. Two and 17 in the conference in his second season, loses one of his two best players to transfer, loses his top recruit, and he's going to go, end up going, winning 9, 10, or 11 games in conference. Uh, I just think that's, you know, that's the kind of progress you want to see. It's mu- frankly, it's much more progress, progress than I thought we'd see this year. So, you know, I, also, do you want to keep just chasing new coaches? You know, just saying, oh, this guy might work out, and then four years later you're changing again. I, I think you've seen enough to let Ben take a, a good long shot at this thing. And, and that's really the challenge, right? Because uh, in the, the way things are set up in college basketball, that if you fire the coach, you're completely starting over. Guys are not going to stay through the coaching change. They're going to go somewhere else. Yeah, uh, most likely. Uh, again, every kid's different, but most likely you would lose talent. You'd be starting over and you'd be rolling the dice. I mean, they, you know, it's not that they've had all terrible coaches, but they really haven't had anybody break through to the level that they want to get to. And the funny thing is they fired, you know, because they had an idiot in charge when Tubby was uh, here, they fired Tubby after he won an uh, NCAA tournament game. Can you imagine how celebrated a coach who won an NCAA tournament game would be at this, st- at this stage? Um, you know, Monson was... Monson wasn't the worst hire in the world. It just didn't. He just didn't. Never. He never seemed like a great fit here. But he got him to the tournament. Patino got him to the tournament. Um, it's not like it's been completely barren here. But they also haven't found somebody that that was they felt was a sustainable success. The good thing about Ben is, you know, he does seem to be building something here, and he's not looking for another job. You know, he wants to stay here. Jim, the Timberwolves over the weekend, uh, they ended up beating Brooklyn on Saturday. They are tied with OKC for the best record in the Western Conference. Your thoughts on the way the Wolves are playing? Well, they were playing great going into the break. And uh, then they came out Friday night home against a, a Milwaukee team that, listen, Milwaukee's still one of the better teams in the league, but they haven't been playing well this season or lately. And the Wolves just played a horrible third. The Wolves have been a great third quarter team. They played a horrible third quarter. They just lost their minds for a quarter and cost them the game. They bounce back and play better against the Nets the next night. Um, so, you know, not ideal, but you're going to, you are going to lose a game here or there. It's not going to be perfection. Uh, so not a, certainly, a, certainly a disappointing performance, but not fatal. Um, and now they still have five more home games, I think, before they go back on the road. So they've got a chance to go on a little run here. Jim, the uh, Minnesota Wild bounce back with uh, wins on Friday against uh, Edmonton, and then they also beat the the Kraken on Saturday. Uh, they're going to play tomorrow night at home against Carolina. How do you feel about this team? Can they make a run? Can they be a playoff team? Well, it's, I mean, it's all math at this point, and they're you know I didn't look this morning. Last time I checked, they were I think two games out of the second wild card spot, with basically competing with three or four other teams for that one spot. So it's still not going to be easy. But this is an impressive weekend. Edmonton is excellent at home. For them to go in and win there on a Friday night was impressive. And then to have a road back-to-back and come out and win the next night, impressive. So they're on a nice, good, long run here. Uh, Kaprizov has been excellent. Zuccarello has been excellent. Boldy has gotten it rolling. Um, Defense has been good, you know, at least good enough on most occasions. Um, So they're playing well enough to to get the playoffs, but they're 
you know, they, they still have and are kind of in a, in a five-team fight. Jim, the Twins have played three spring training games, I guess two if you... Three if you count the Gopher game on Friday. So they've had a chance to get some guys out there. Uh, any takeaways from what you've seen so far? I mean, we, we talk about this every year, and basically you just want your key players to not get hurt. <laughs> that, that's what spring training is. You want them to get their work in without getting hurt. That's all that really matters. Uh, so, you know, Buxton being healthy is the biggest development we've seen. And the second biggest development is, is Correa moving around as if there's nothing wrong with his foot. Um, you know, and other than that, you're just the, it's the usual spring training business, figuring out who's in the bullpen, how you're going to structure the bullpen, uh, who gets the last couple spots on the roster. Um, you know, and it does look like Rocco at a lot of positions is interested in leaning into some kind of a, a platoon system. You know, Julianne and Farmer at second, Kirilov and Santana maybe at first, although things you know, and uh, and of course in those situations the right the 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 left-handed bat is probably going to get more at bats, uh, but first base might be different. We'll see how we'll just see how Santana does. But the thing the, the thing is too, we could we could talk about their plans for how who's going to play what position, who's going to bat, and none of it might have any relevance by the time we get to spring regular season. Injuries start happening, somebody succeeds, somebody fails. So you just want to have a good strong roster which they actually do right now. So I saw that Louis Varlin started the game on Saturday against the Pirates through two shutout innings. Uh, do they view him as a starter or a reliever right now? They aren't saying, and I think they're, I, I mean, this is another kind of you know media thing. We want the answer right now. They don't have to give the answer right now. They don't even have to make the decision right now. Um, I think they're keeping their options open. You know, because they, they really would like him we all know statistically he was much more dominant as a reliever last year. We also know that they have a lot of bullpen arms right now and they could use a little more, you know, quality rotation depth. So now I think they're going to have him, uh, they're kind of splitting the difference right now. They have him start, have him go a couple innings. He gets to, you know, work on pitch selection as if he's in a, a short reliever. He gets a sensation of being a starting pitcher and they can make a decision later whether they're going to use him as a starter or reliever. And it'll probably come down to injuries. You know, if they have a, a late bullpen opening, then he's perfect for that. If one of the five starting pitchers isn't ready to go, he's very capable. Of, you know, he should be capable of being a decent starting pitcher, although he's got a lot more to prove as a starter than as a reliever. Uh, he was not a particularly efficient starter last year. Uh, so, he, you know, if he wants to be a starter, I, what, if if I were the Twins, my conversations with him, I'd say, okay, you really want to be a starter, but you were a better reliever last year. Show us you can be that good a starter, and you're in. Jim, Chris Paddock uh, apparently is throwing a new slider uh, to complement his uh, his curveball. Uh, do you know anything about that? Yeah, uh, and this, you know, this looks a lot like what they did with Lopez last year when they got a hold of him. They, they wanted him to throw pitches that were more complementary uh, of each other, that played off of each other well. So, um, you know, Paddock has serious velocity, and I think they're just trying to get him to throw a slider that, that plays off that fastball a little bit better than his old slider, which looked, you know, too many pitchers throw a slider that looks like just a bad fastball. So they're trying to get his slider to ha maybe have a little more vertical drop and and be a little more deceptive. And Chris Paddock kind of looks like he'll be the third or fourth starter right now? Uh, I mean, he'll be the third or fourth starter, and at some point, not far into the season, the rotation will get jumbled, and he'll just pitch on whatever day, you know, so... 
that your favorite churches, nonprofits, and charities could always use a shot in the arm, and we're here to help. The next time your group is planning a fundraiser, remember the community events page at WJON.com. You can submit your events directly from the website, and we'll include it on the air and online. Make sure your group's event gets some time in the spotlight. Check out the events tab at WJON.com. This is AM 1240 and 95.3 FN, WJON 730 and 28 degrees. ABC News, I'm Sherry Preston. Another attempt at getting Ukraine because the it's funding said it says it desperately needs to continue fighting the war against Russia. President Biden will bring together at the White House Tuesday the top four congressional leaders. On the agenda, the national security bill that sends $60 billion to Ukraine and also includes funding for